Hi! You know, I started on cleanup just like you guys. But now, see, I'm washing lettuce. Soon I'll be on fries, then the grill. A year or two, I make assistant manager. And that's where the big bucks start rolling in. Just two years, eh? everybody this is ed hoffman and welcome to the main event open with that scene from uh, coming to america you know the realities of working in fast food you know you start a cleanup then you go to washing lettuce then to fries and then assistant manager and that's when the big bucks start and you know i use that scene as a uh, as a tribute to uh louis anderson who uh passed away uh we're recording on friday so he we woke up this morning to uh to uh, the news of two deaths, Louis Anderson, um, who who died of complications with cancer, age 68, and uh, we also lost Meatloaf, um, who we, who I'm not sure what his real real name is, but I I think his initials were ML, so they called him Meatloaf. Um, that was his stage name, um, and that was uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and uh, from his uh, Bad Out of Hell album, and uh, his most famous his most famous album um, that got him into uh, being a, a a superstar the rocky horror picture show and uh and and uh, many movies uh, fight club if if you've seen fight club he was bob and then uh he was one of the one of the roadies in leap of faith and uh, a whole bunch of other whole bunch of other uh, uh movies that i'm just not popping into my head i don't have them written down so anyway uh we give you a tribute to uh, meatloaf and louis anderson uh to uh two icons of, uh, of our lives. You know, we think about, uh, the music, the music that we, uh, that we go through in the movies that we watch, the music that we, that we grew up in. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the soundtrack of our lives. And so many times you're, you're driving around and then uh, a song comes on the radio and, uh, and it brings you back to, to those times. And, uh, it's just sad when we see our, see people dying around us and, uh, we give us uh, some tribute to Louis Anderson and Meatloaf, who we lost lost this week. 
I think uh, Meatloaf we lost on Thursday night, um, but we didn't hear about it till Friday morning. So anyway, so uh, I also want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Jim Hutchison, who's who's uh, having some challenges. Jim Hutchison in Moreno Valley, he's he's having some uh, health challenges, feeling his feeling his age out there, and uh, he's he's a loyal listener to the to the main event and a great patriot. Uh, he came into our office as we, we did a tribute on uh, one of our other uh, listeners that uh, did a did a bust of Donald Trump, and just want to give a shout out to Jim Hutchison and uh, and uh, send some prayers his way that uh, he uh, that he survives his current health a- ailment and uh, God gives him a little uh, supercharged healing power. So anyway, I'm gonna talk about all the stuff that's going on this week and uh, and. Uh, and my opinion of it. But first, before I go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Plant Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me about uh, about real estate financing, um, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, Go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo, and that'll take you to my lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, If there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast uh, podcast, uh, page, and there you can hear this show as well as several past shows. And uh, you can uh, listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and uh, where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it automatically download to your whatever device you listen to podcasts on your uh, your computer, your phone, your iPad, your iPod. And you can uh, have it uh, and you can listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. So if the radio uh, the radio schedule doesn't happen to meet your schedule one weekend, then uh, hear it on podcast. Um, if you have, uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And I, I hear those, I, I get all those, uh, uh, those emails and, uh, often I, often I'll respond to them. Um, sometimes they're just, uh, Hey, give me a shout out and tell me uh, what you're, what you're thinking on, uh, on some of the things that I talked about. Um, but I do appreciate all the feedback. So uh, we've got some important stories to cover this week, and I could think of no better guest than to help me help me break them down. Uh, here's uh, he's uh, the Southside Unicorn, my friend Ken White. Kenny, welcome back to the main event. Hey, uh, thank you for having me back on. I'm sitting here with this big old grin on my face. I'm so happy. Thank you for having me. And uh, and if I didn't tell you, you did a great job uh, substituting for me uh, for a couple weeks while I was uh, while I was uh, while I was doing my battle with COVID. While you, while you were arm wrestling COVID and beating the heck out of it. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> COVID's got a real skinny forearm. So let's <laughs> so let's talk about what's going on this week, and uh, and our opinions of it. So it's been five days since it became painfully obvious obvious that there's no way Democrats would pass pass their power grab voting rights act on Martin Luther King Day. Now, we thought Americans already had the right to vote, but Democrats need us to believe that black Americans are somehow restricted from voting. Do you feel restricted from voting, Kenny? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do, uh, Ed. 
I feel restricted from voting because the Democrats won't get out my damn way and let me get to a polling booth without their interference. Yeah, exactly. So maybe if they would just get out of the way, that would be better rather than uh, coming up with all these weird stuff. They got to get these voting rights done because as long as Americans believe that, that uh, that uh, blacks have are being restricted, Democrats can get away with passing laws that turn Election Day into a month-long event, open the door to ballot harvesting, and take away the state's rights to run their own elections. To accomplish this, Democrats have now combined their two election reform bills, the John Lewis Voting Act and the Freedom Freedom to Vote Act, into one bill, which is now called the Freedom to Vote John R. Lewis Act. Which, why do people need the freedom to vote for a guy who's not alive anymore? I'm not sure about that. So it passed the House last week, and Senate debate began Tuesday, which is why Manchin and Cinema continue to be attacked, because neither of them are going to, are going to go for it. Ken, let's get your thoughts on some of these. Ultimately, here's what the Democrats are aiming to do. First, the one and only thing I'm on board with is making Election Day a national holiday. Okay. Well, well what, what's got me, Ed, is this. Watching what's been going on and, and the, the, the very terrible words of Chuck Schumer, which is, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep coming back at you. That sounds like something evil would do. You know, evil just keeps coming back. I am concerned that the only thing that stopped this from becoming a reality is two Democrats. That's too close of a, a call for our Republic that they want to turn into a democracy. Exactly. And the, uh, uh, my thought on the, on the, uh, making election day a national holiday, everybody has the day off. Nobody has any excuses. We don't need drop boxes. We don't need, uh, we don't need early voting. We don't need anybody to pick up people's votes. Everybody goes to the polls and the only way people get uh, absentee voters is if they have a legitimate disability, um, which has time to be taken care of. And election day is election day, and for that matter, we could actually uh, turn the primaries into a into a, a one day event. And then look how look how easy that would be. We do the primaries. It would it, 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 it would be too easy, and that's that's part of the problem. You know, let's just get this voter ID going through. The Democrats get to tell us everything they want. They even get to name their bills after, you know, uh, prominent black figures and try to push it on Martin Luther King Day. This pandering to the black community has reached levels of insult that I can barely stand anymore. You talk about true racism and bigotry. It's the Democrats. Yep, absolutely. And I know I know uh, a lot of black people that I talk to are kind of offended that uh, that the Democrats think they're that they that they can't get uh, identification cards. Kenny, you have an identification card? You have a driver's license? I have several. <laughs> All right. So I'm here. I got a I'm, driver's license. And they keep they keep uh, 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 insinuating that black people don't have access to this stuff. They don't have. Well, what about places where they don't have broadband? Well, you know, all the people you're showing us, all these people at the border and all these other all these other people, well, they all have iPhones. There must be some kind of broadband available for that stuff. So it's uh it's just they have better phones than I do. Yeah, exactly, and they're just and it's just a uh it's it's an insult. And I'm wondering when in one large voice everyone's going to just turn around and say, "Hey, Democrats, you guys are done insulting us. We're not we're not with you anymore." I think that's probably starting to turn around now, don't you think? Well, we're working on it. There's a video floating around about a young black lady in New York City. She was uh, on her bully pulpit, and she was letting them have it. The tide is starting to turn because, like Popeye said, that's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. They're going too far. 
Exactly. They're and they're they're backing people up and they're painting people into a corner and it's hey, just like just like you can uh, you can intimidate an animal and, and once they get backed into a corner, they're gonna fight. And it's about time that, it's about time that Americans start fighting. So here's the other things that Democrats wanna do. They wanna allow for automatic same day registration, which to me says, Hey, we don't have time to check out whether you're a real person or not or whether you're legal. They wanna mandate fifteen days yeah. of early voting. Well, if, if the if the election day is a national holiday, why do we need any early voting? They require all states to allow in mail-in voting. That's just that's just as we saw in 2020. That's just an opportunity to to phony it up. They want to give federal government more control over state voting procedures. Essentially, nationalize all elections, so no states have any common sense. Because when you break it down, uh, there's more there's more red states than blue states. Um, and finally, provide protections that make it a federal crime to harass, intimidate, threaten, or coerce election workers because of a survey last year in which one in three poll workers reported feeling unsafe because of their jobs. Well, I would say, hey, you know what, if, if there wasn't evidence that poll workers were cheating, people wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, when you, when you tell the truth all the time, you don't have to have a great memory. And when you don't, when you don't screw people over, when you don't, when you don't uh, do things that are wrong, nobody has a reason to hate you, right? Why would you put tape up on the windows? That's what we saw in twenty in twenty twenty. We saw the left, not not necessarily the uh, observers who were Republican. We saw those on the left get up and tape up windows so that people couldn't see them, you know, doing the, the people's work. These little shady antics have got to stop. Oh, may, maybe they're worried about COVID, you know, going through the windows. Because, you know, they were making the poll workers stand back yeah. six feet so they couldn't really see um, uh, signatures on envelopes. And they're throwing the envelopes away. So there's no way to uh, to put put any legitimacy to any of the any of the ballots. Hey, if you count the ballots, these are what the ballots are. But problem is that where did these ballots come from? And there's so much evidence that um, they just wanted to push to just sweep under the rug. Uh, but meanwhile, Biden is being asked about the timing of this push. Here's a question from his press conference on Wednesday. But I want to ask you about black voters, one of your most loyal constituencies. I was in Congressman Clyburn's district Mm -hmm. yesterday in South Carolina. You opened this news conference talking about him. I spoke to a number of black voters who fought to get you elected, and now they feel as though you are not fighting hard enough for them and their priorities. And they told me they see this push on voting rights more as a last-minute PR push than it is a legitimate effort to get legislation passed. So what do you say to these black voters who say that you do not have have their backs, as you promised on the campaign trail. I've had their back. I've had their back my entire career. I've never not had their back. And I started on the voting rights issues long, long ago. That's what got me involved in politics in the first place. So I'm sure that there are those who are saying that why didn't Biden push John Lewis bill as hard as he pushed it the last month? Why did he push it six months ago as hard as he did now? There's a timing that is not of one's own choice. It's somewhat dictated by events that are happening in country and around the world as to what the focus is. But part of the problem is, as well, I have not been out in the community nearly enough. I've been here an awful lot. I find myself in a situation where uh, um, I don't get a chance to look people in the eye because of both COVID and things that are happening in Washington. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a bunch of bull. You know, he's been spending more time in Delaware than he spends anywhere, and uh, hiding from the hiding from. Well, I haven't had a chance because of things that are going on, and it's all timing. You know, you have to put pay uh, pay put your emphasis and things based on on what's happening. It's really not. It's really not your priorities. It's really hey, when you screw up enough. When you screw up the your border policy, you screw up your your energy policy, you screw up your trade policy. You know what? Uh, when Trump was in there, he was talking about, "Hey, we have to get this economy going. We have to get this economy going. We have to get this economy going. We can't let the economy be shut down. We have to fix the trade deficits." You know what? If 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 we focused on everything that we buy from China and say, "Hey, why can't we make?" clothes in the uh, United States. Well, we can. So why don't we just put a big tariff on the stuff so so uh, Walmart and Costco and Sam's Club can't buy clothes at, at uh, you know, 50 cents. Uh, instead, they have to buy them at $1.50 or, uh, you know, instead of $5, it's uh, $8. And uh, buy, American, buy American products and get those other products off the shelves. And if, you know, it's follow the money and if the, and if the jobs... And the money is here in the United States. People will spend that money. We don't mind having having to say we're going to put up the price of all your groceries, and we're going to double the price of your gasoline that you have to put in the in your car every day. Um, we don't we don't we don't uh, hesitate uh, to do that because so we can turn off Trump's Trump's uh, uh, pipelines and and his uh, all the uh, all the supply chain and. And uh, and everything that's affecting the supply chain, what making everything get more expensive, no one's thinking about thinking about that. If we fix how 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 the product, how the how we do business across the world in our country, we can change all this stuff. But Biden is too stupid to know to know how that's coming. So when you make that many screw ups, every now and then you got to go out there and push a bill that makes you feel like you're 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 rooting for the little guy, the people that can't vote when in fact they can vote. As we've all heard by now, Biden further divided America last week by making a speech in Atlanta that, that called those those who oppose the bill a bunch of racists uh, who want Jim Crow 2.0. Hopelessly, ho- hopefully this will be the last time you have to hear this. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. History has never been kind to those who've sided with voter suppression over voters' rights. Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Kenny, your comments on that? This man is the most embarrassing thing that has happened to this nation in my, in my lifetime. Um, I'll start by saying the devil is a liar. He started off lying when he said his whole career began fighting for civil rights. If everybody remembers, the, the Larry Elder actually managed to prove it, that uh, he said he was fighting for civil rights at the movie theater in his neighborhood. Well, nobody seems to remember him. Nobody believes that he was there. They say that that's a lie. And then he goes on to say he's always had the black man's back. What is the way I look at that, the way I see it is, yeah, he's had our back meaning he ripped open our shirt and he's been whipping us ever since he came into office ever since. Yeah. The Democrats have a, have a uh, habit of, 
of uh, getting behind the minorities, not just the blacks, but the Hispanics and the Asians and everybody else who who is a, a little who's who's considered a minority, the LGBT and the uh, and they do that every election cycle. But then as soon as as soon as the election's over, that's the end of it. And they go back to governing how they want. And it's all about the money. It's all about the money. You know, exactly. They, I mean, case in point, he goes into office and what's the first thing he does? He clears the borders out. He breaks out the red carpet for illegal aliens. And yet he did nothing for blacks. But now he's going to be on on national TV and tell us, well, time dictates what I can do in events in the world. Who does he think he's talking to? What what scares me, Ed, not for myself and other intelligent blacks, but for the ones who are actually buying what he's saying. It's it's a sad day that that problem actually works on somebody. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, uh, the people that are the people that they're fighting for and how and how he's making it all. They're he's making opening up the rolling out the red carpet for the for the illegals coming over the border. Um, I have a client um, who uh, worked at a Pomona Fairgrounds last year for six months. And, uh, as a, as a nurse and the stories that she told me while we're, while we were, uh, just chatting about what went on and she says, Hey, we were caring, we we're caring for refugees. You know, when they said, Hey, they're not, they're not taking these Haitians and these, uh, Afghani refugees and all these people into California, California said no. Well, they were at the Pomona fairgrounds. They converted that to a big, uh, um, refugee camp. And she said they had they had 50 registered nurses, 22 full on doctors and uh, 100 uh, nurses. Uh, what do they call it? Nurses assistants, uh, physicians assistants. Um, yeah, PAs uh, on staff, 24 hours a day out there. They had uh, since most of these most of these kids didn't have uh, didn't speak English. So they had uh, Hispanic interpreters that were taking care of them for the most part. And for the most part, the nurses would sit there and do nothing until they found lice or some other issue. And she goes, and the, and the, the food setup. she goes, they had full on chefs here and, uh, and the, and the food service they had was like better than they would treat any American to, to service these, to take care of these people. And she's going, She's going, you know, we're sitting around and say, hey, you can play cards, you can read a book, you just can't fall asleep. And they're paying them up to $150 an hour to do this. And around the clock, and she goes, and with all this, all the food service and this this great, great food that's available all the time, she goes, who's paying for this? And I'm going, who, we do, are. You, who do you think's paying for it? We are. And, uh, you know, it just, hey, we're, we don't have uh, the refugees in California. Yes, we do. They're lying to us and say, you know what? When uh, you guys, uh, you guys send me send me emails about me uh, promoting a conspiracy theory about COVID uh, with the doctor I had on last week, or a conspiracy theory on, you know what? Here's the difference between me and a lot and a lot of people out there. I think, I watch, I listen, I I consider, I see what I see in life, and I see what I see, and I see what I see on the news, and I and I hear what they're telling me, and I watch what's on the internet, and I go, how much of this is BS? How much of this makes sense to what I actually see going on? And uh, and that's that's what makes me think. And then I have someone who casually tells me about uh, working at the Pomona Fairgrounds, 
um, being a nurse for all these refugees and how much money they made. And it's, and it's an obscene amount of money for sitting around doing nothing is what, what she told me. So, uh, so let's get through the, we have one more clip, uh, for this section with, uh, Biden people on both sides were disturbed by the divisiveness of, of Biden's speech, which is why uh, white house made sure, uh, that he was asked about on the press conference on Wednesday, but did he have a good answer? People heard the speech that you gave on voting rights in Georgia recently, in which you described those who are opposed to you to George Wallace and Jefferson Davis, and some people took exception to that. What do you say to those who were offended by your speech, and is this country more unified than it was when you first took office? Anybody who listened to the speech, I did not say that there were going to be a George Wallace or a Bull Connor. I said we're going to have a decision in history that is going to be marked just like it was then. You either voted on the side that didn't make you George Wallace or didn't make you Bull Connor. But if you did not vote for the Voting Rights Act back then, you were voting with those who agreed with Connor. Those who agreed with, with and, and so, and I, I think Mitch did a real good job of making it sound like I was attacking them. If you notice, I haven't attacked anybody publicly, any senator. Any, 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 any congressman publicly. The Republicans, like, for example, I said they got very upset. I said there are 16 members of the present United States Senate who voted to extend the Voting Rights Act. Now, they got very offended by that. That wasn't an accusation, just stating a fact. So that's not an attack. Is the country more unified than when you first took office? Uh, the answer is... Based on some of the stuff we've got done, I'd say yes, but it's not nearly unified as it should be. Yeah, he never answers the questions, and uh, you know, based on uh, based on this, uh, yes, but not, not never where it should be. We have lots more to talk about. Can he stick around? We got uh, for part two, and we'll uh, and we'll uh, finish this up after uh, five minutes of weather, traffic, support, sports, and commercials. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Maybe we can talk all night. There's nothing left inside of me And maybe you can cry all night But that'll never change the way that I feel The snow is really piling up outside I wish you
welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Plan Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance on the radio because uh, it's boring if you're not in the market for it and uh, it's no fun to listen to. But if you are in the market for it or you're wondering if you're in the market for it, whether that's a uh, market for refinancing a property that you own or uh, purchasing a property that you'd like to own or uh, getting involved in one of those fantastic financing tools called a reverse mortgage, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Uh, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home lo uh, logo and uh, follow the follow the prompts and we'll uh, help, you, uh, help you figure it out. Hey, so uh, that song was uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf. Uh, from uh, 1979, I believe it was. And uh, you think about, uh, you know, back in those days. Oh, and let me just uh, remind you, if you if you didn't, uh, if you weren't on the first half uh, with me today is uh, the Southside Unicorn, Kenny White. Kenny White, thanks. Uh, uh, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me, Ed. I am absolutely honored. Um, I'm sorry about Meatloaf. I cannot believe that. The, the one thing I remember him from is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. That man can sing. Or should I say, could sing "God Rest His Soul"? Yep, absolutely. And uh, and I remember, I remember this song as being, you know, in the high school days. You know, you're going to the high school dance, and uh, you know, you're slow dancing, and you know, you're slow dancing about saying uh, this song. We never even listened to the words, just realizing, hey, two out of three ain't bad. I want you, I need you, but there's ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Does that mean, uh, hey, I want, <laughs> I want to, I, I want to take you to bed, but I don't really, uh, I don't really have any interest beyond that. Uh, I think, I think. Uh, Young girls should think about that uh, today before they. Uh, maybe we should bring. We should re-release that song. So anyway, put we put it this way. That, that that was the song of a Mac. I, I want you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. He didn't lie. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that was that was the honesty. That wasn't that wasn't popular back then, and it's really not that popular today, I guess. So so anyway, you know the devil lies. So let's uh, let's. Uh, we were talking about uh, Biden. Biden's. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His. Uh, his divisive uh, words. his cleanup his cleanup tour this this past week and uh, his divisive words. So now it's been one year since we were told that Joe Biden would bring our divided America together. But think about everything we just heard so far and ask yourself: Can this guy be the same president who said this at his uh, his inauguration? Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. To restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy, unity, unity. With unity, we can do great things in unity. It can sound to some like a foolish fantasy. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. For without unity, there is no peace in unity is the path forward today the word the word for today's children is unity you know even biden's even biden's you remember that biden made that speech or he read that that teleprompter uh episode in front of an empty uh washington dc so uh i know i was i was at the inauguration of donald trump and it was a whole different scene than what we saw and of course the inauguration for every president was different than what we saw with biden and of course we actually had people that most of them actually had brains, uh, as opposed to Biden. Even Biden's media allies are having a tough time spinning this disastrous kickoff uh, of year two. 
President Joe Biden has had a very tough week with setbacks uh, for his agenda, COVID complications and the Supreme Court blocking his vaccine mandate. One year in, Mr. Biden has the second lowest approval rating ever measured in the White House and has never been less popular nationally. 2022 is not exactly off to a good start for the Biden administration. The country is frustrated. His party is frustrated. We're two weeks into a midterm election year, a few days away from his one year anniversary of inauguration. And it is black. It is very dark for him right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, at some point at some point, even the Democrat CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS all have to start uh, admitting that they're that they're awake. Kenny? Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking about uh, Joe Biden, and it's, it's ironic that it is his one year. He's, he's got his one-year mark. When I was a cop, and everybody knows this about police officers, your first year as a police officer, you're considered a police officer trainee. You have to show competence, the ability to grow, and, and, and a knowledge of the job within that one year, or you're summarily terminated. Joe Biden has been in office now for one year. I'm asking everybody, if he was given the same measurement as a, a police officer trainee, would he still have his job today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know what's funny is there's Absolutely tw- not. 28 Democrats that aren't running for re-election already. And I, and I have brought this up on the show before saying all we need is for five Democrats to say, hey, I, this is not, this Democrat party is not what I'm about and it's not what my constituents about. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to switch parties or I'm going to vote against this stuff. What is it in the Democrat party? What do they threaten these, these, uh, representatives with that make them vote? They all vote together. Whatever Pelosi says they do. I have to wonder, are they getting paid under the table? You know, are they getting, or are they getting threatened? What, what is it that, uh, that is causing this? Well, it's, it's real clear. When you look at patriots such as yourself, other people that I know, members of the Tea Party Patriots, uh, uh, the guy from my pillow, you know, myself included, you know, when you look at what happens to those of us who dare to stand up against the woke, if you don't have a measure, and I'm going to say this, I hope I don't offend too many, but if you don't have a decent measure of courage, in your spine, well, then you're going to go along to get along. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're just scared. Yep. We need to replace them all this, uh, replace everybody with no spine with someone who actually stands for something. Hey, um, you know, a quick reminder, it's not too late to get started on your new year's resolutions, whether you're looking, whether you're looking to get ahead financially or make some other changes in your life. My book experience matters. Here's mine is a great way to kick off the year with plenty of motivation and guidance to help Larry elder, uh, your friend and mine brought me on his show to talk about this book last week. And I, and I saved some of the conversation for just for you guys on my, on my show. Let's listen. And I'll add, add some comments as we go. And of course, uh, Kenny, I want your comments as well. We started the conversation off with the discussion on life lessons I'm sharing. I am with Ed Hoffman. He's got a wonderful book out called Experience Matters. Ed has over 30 years of real estate investing and mortgage experience, and even more than that uh, as a conservative commentator. Ed, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm, thanks for having me. Ed, why'd you write the book? Uh, you know, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanted to teach people a lot of the things that I've seen in the 30 years of doing uh, doing real estate and doing uh, mortgages, I want to teach people some lessons that 
that uh, that I've learned that they should learn. So they end up at the end of their they end up at the end of their working life with uh, with money in the bank, with uh, assets, and uh, with uh, kids with kids that have uh, common sense. And I just thought I, I wanted to find a way to to encapsule that encapsule that and and uh pass that along what are some of the things the the older the current version of ed hoffman knows now that uh that the younger version of ed hoffman wish he knew oh you know what uh you know what life is hard life is hard for life is hard for everybody and it doesn't matter uh uh, it doesn't matter what your skin color is or your uh, your political affiliation or your age or, uh, you know, where you grow up. It's hard for everybody. And, uh, you know, we all have a price to pay to get to where we want to aspire to. And if you recognize if you recognize that those t- those times are part of your price and we say, hey, God won't let you have the the desires of your heart without without preparing you. If you recognize those things are, are part of your price when you run into those. Um, you'll rec- you'll recognize it. You learn from it. You'll get to where you want to be a lot quicker. Experience is the best teacher, as long, especially if it's someone else's experience. And and I just wanted to to pass that along so people can recognize it early instead of having to wait till they're you know at retirement age. You go, oh man, I wish I knew then what I know now. Or uh, or I wish I would have listened when my uh, when these guys told me told me something in my younger age. Yes, and that that's exactly spot on about your book. I read the book. I was honored to be able to interview you about the book as well. Ed, your book has so impressed me that this is my gift to my children. It's the new King James version of the Bible with their name inscribed in gold and a copy of your book. Now, I know people are going to say, what the heck? Yes. The Bible, everybody needs that, in my opinion. Yep. And your book for for, for young people, I, I would feel bad if I didn't give it to my children. I read your book. There's so much in there. And, and real estate, property, home ownership. These are things that you would like to see your children attain in life. Your book helps them understand how not to make the mistakes that will prevent you from being in position to purchase property. And then once you're in position, inside your book is information to help you become a homeowner, a property owner. Your book is invaluable to young people, and so I believe in it heavily. And thank you for writing it. Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about comparing it to the Bible. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's along with the Bible. It's not in a, any oh, kind of comparison. Oh no, no, no! It's just a companion piece. <laughs> exactly. No, it's just a companion piece. I mean, because you know, the bottom line is the Bible is is our main mainstay, but. The wisdom of the men and women in our lives, those who have the gray beards, those who have the corona hair, you know, when you've amassed that level of wisdom, somewhere in there, we have to pass that down to the children, too. So, yes, in my household, it is the New King James Version of the Bible and Ed Hoffman's book. That's right. what I'm giving, you know, to my kids or have given to them the Christmas gifts. I am honored. I'm honored. Hey, Larry also asked me about real estate investing, and I know a lot of you are interested in that because every time I meet you, uh, most of you want to talk about uh, talk about real estate and and what you're doing with your real estate. So if you've ever asked me, hey, Ed, should I be looking to buy right now? Or, hey, Ed, is it a good time to sell my rental property? Or any other real estate questions I get from you uh, uh, when we see each other, listen up because this book can help you succeed in your investments. Here's what Larry asked me about that. My guest is Ed Hoffman. The book is Experience Matters. Ed, biggest mistakes people make in real estate investing? Um, they They try to go too fast. They try to go too fast. You know, you, you watch these get rich quick guys 
on uh, on TV or infomercials, and you think, hey, this is what I got to do. I got to buy 500 unit apartment complex, and I got to buy a, you know big commercial stuff. And you're not going to buy that kind of stuff with ten thousand dollars down. Um, I have three chapters in my book that are uh, three long chapters, long detailed chapters where uh, where I I point people at the uh, the four the four uh, stages of the market cycle buyers market one buyers market two sellers market one sellers market two and show them how to recognize those and say you know what if you if you don't get overwhelmed and intimidated by the bigness of what you're trying to do and take it one property at a time and pay attention to when you're buying and what you're buying at that time you know it it doesn't have to take a lifetime it'll actually if you start at the right time if you start it with the with that one property at a time mentality um you can get there really fast Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's so it's so important to you know you you see these people that have all these assets in their in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and you say man how did you get so many properties one at a time one at a time and you know you don't have to and you don't have to wait that long actually uh when i tell the tell the story i started buying properties and it took three years that from uh owning no no investment properties to owning uh a five million dollar uh, commercial complex because i bought them one at a time and then i traded into them traded uh, did what's called a 1031 exchange but yeah I, I take you through one step at a time don't get overwhelmed by it and uh you know watch it's not it, a lot of it's not what you buy it's when you buy and then when it's the right time to buy it's then it's what you buy where you buy and where you buy you know it's uh buy the right property in the right neighborhoods at the right time and uh it does not have to take a lifetime it's uh, it was an amazing, amazing, amazingly quick once I once I figured it out and and did what I did. Um, for those of you who only like me because we share the same politics, don't worry, I've got you guys covered here. Uh, here's where Larry and I talk about things that go on in this country and how they can affect our investments. My guest is Ed Hoffman. The book we're talking about is Experience Matters. Ed, we are in a period now where inflation might very well hit double digits. How does that affect the advice you give people who want to invest in real estate? Um, I point, uh, as far as uh, inflation, I, I point out the place in the market cycle we are. I think, uh, I would just say, I just sold six of my rental houses and I sold my one of my commercial buildings and I sold my second home in Mammoth and I bought a place in, uh, in Montana to replace it. Um, I'm watching the mark. I'm watching the market cycle and where we are and I say, hey, this might be the last seller's market that I am alive to see. And I say, hey, you know what? Um, what is, what is the, what is the best place based on what's happening in the world? You can't, you can't watch Biden turn turn off our energy independence and, and, uh, open the border and some of the dumb things he's doing with, uh, with trade with China and, and, uh, the other countries out there, you can't do that and expect that the stock market's going to keep growing, growing, and the price of real estate's going to keep uh, still keep going up, and the interest rates are going to stay down. We're going to see some harder times coming forward, and the the trick is to take a look at where you are and evaluate. Hey, here's where I am at life. Here's how old I am. Here's where what when I expect to retire. Um, and you know, for a younger person, it's going to be a different advice than for someone at, at our age. And uh, and say evaluate that and say, what's going to be the best thing for me? And that's kind of where I, where I try to teach people in the book, as I do in my business every day. Kenny, 
Yes, and and that's true because, you know, they say politics is downstream from from society and how we operate as as a people. Your book manages to integrate perfectly how politics, how the the social movements of this country affect our abilities to to prosper and, and improve our lives. Because after all, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Some of the things I read in your book, Ed, are things that make me say, I wish I knew this at a younger age. So I just, I say to people who within earshot of this show, get the book for someone in your life that's a young person. You'll be giving them something they'll go back to read time and time again. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm not a one, you know, I, I always tell people I'm not a one-size-fits-all uh, lender, and I'm not a one-size-fits-all anything, really, that, uh, you know, the advice I would give to someone starting out, just got married, uh, you know, starting, you know, being early in their career, I would I would advise differently than somebody somebody that's uh, older, closer to retirement, because you've got uh, different factors in how long you can afford to take risks. So, 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 you know, I'm, I just turned 60 and my wife and I are, are looking at, Hey, we're going to spend more time, more time having fun and less time working. Um, and I'm hand, I'm working on handing down some of the things that, that take me more time in my business. Um, and let me do the, let me do the stuff I specialize in and in thinking and strategizing and and helping people find find uh, what's best for them and then hand off some of that some of the stuff that just takes time up that some of my younger people can do and I can uh, I can teach them along the way and uh, you know I'm looking forward to being able to go on a plane without a mask and uh, spend more time uh, spend more time doing fun stuff than doing the, the part, what I've been doing for the last uh, 60 years of my life. And as opposed to, you know, you've got your different stages in your life. What should you do? Um, I have, I have a borrower who has opportunity to, to cash out, cash out his inheritance or buy, or buy, or buy the property he's in. And I'm saying, Hey, you know what? You're looking at retiring in the next, you know, five, six, seven years. And you should be thinking about thinking about what's going to put you in that position where you're going to go at that time. You, you know, it's, it's like, put it this way, all of the great players, whether it's football, baseball, whatever sport, all of the great players eventually go on to become coaches. Well, Ed, you're in the coach's chair of how to get it done. And I mean, I'm glad you're wearing that jersey now. All right. Well, thank you. Let me let me uh, get this last piece. Uh, I really wanted to connect with you guys personally. So it was great to talk about my background in this book. Let's close out the show with the with that part of the conversation. Now, you talk about everything from being an amateur world champion of arm wrestling to a millionaire millionaire real estate investor. But you also have chapters about your journey to the top. Talk to us about those chapters. Um, those chapters, I talk about uh, taking jobs when I first started working in the and the lessons I learned from uh, being a basic smart ass with uh, with my bosses and and. And, uh, you know, I, I had the, I had the right to remain silent. I didn't have the ability as Ron White says. And, and I, and I look back at some of the mistakes I made. Um, I talk about college and, uh, the value of college, how I see it, you know, you and I grew up in the industrial age and today we're in the information age. And I just don't think the value of a college education is what it used to be. And people are paying through the nose, nose for it due to the, all the lack of, uh, easy financing guaranteed student loans. Um, I talk about 
talk about mistakes, uh, mistake, you know, and I'm, I'm clear to point out the mistakes I made not just the good things I did, but I talk about the mistakes that I see. And I see lots of other people make the same mistakes as I interview them for doing, doing, uh, mortgages. And I see what they do on their taxes and I see the mistakes they make in investing and uh, on the road to becoming uh, affluent. You have to share some, you know, God blesses you. You got to share those, share those blessings. I talk about, uh, what I've done in, in charity and, and how I see that. I, I actually make it, I try to make it really fun. The stories are fun. They're easy to read. I, and I outline it all with movie clips because I think movies are one way that you experience other people's lives and you can learn by, learn by other people's experiences from that. One of my favorite passages from one of my favorite movies, the movie is uh, No Country for Old Men. Uh, the sheriff goes and visits a sheriff who was paralyzed. Uh, and the guy that uh, shot him uh, is in prison. And there is speculation he may be released. And so he asked the guy in the wheelchair who was uh, paralyzed by this bad guy, if the bad guy gets out of prison, what are you going to do? And the guy in the wheelchair said, probably nothing. The other guy said, I'm surprised you'd say that. And the guy in the wheelchair says, when you try to get back what had been took from you, more is going out the door all the time. One of the lessons in your book is overcoming mistakes that you've made, not beating up yourself too bad about those mistakes. Correct. So um, I, I know that I know that movie scene well. It's one of my fa- one of my favorites. It's uh, that and uh, hey, you never can see what's coming. Um, mm-hmm. So you never can see what's coming, but you have to you have to realize, hey, the mistakes you made in the past. There's a reason that uh, you know your car has a little tiny rearview mirror and a great big windshield, and uh, and so you can you can look forward and learn the lessons of the past. But keep moving forward uh, in uh, Rocky Balboa. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's a that's a great line that, that I love. And it's it's learn from your mistakes. Go forward. But, you know, so, so many times I see people that they make the mistakes and they don't even recognize them. They never come back and and reevaluate. You know, what was uh, what what can I learn from this? And I think that's the whole message I'm saying, Hey, these are, these are the things that we all go through and you have to learn from those mistakes and, and hopefully learn from some of my mistakes and some other people's that you see in the movies and take those, take those lessons and make the right decisions for your own life. All right, Kenny, I'll let, I'll let you have the last word. Okay. Well, the last word is this, for those of you who have young people in your life, no matter what stage of life you happen to be in, trust me, I've read this book twice now. I believe in it so much that I'm, I'm trying to get more books for other people that I know and love. Ed Hoffman, thank you for sharing your life experiences and your professional experience with us. Like you said, it's better to learn from someone else's experiences. Yours are good ones. Thank you for that. Absolutely, Tim. Thanks for uh, joining me on the show today, Kenny. And uh, I'm all out of time, so uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.